Blue Wire. Think about Lawrence. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodged the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 142. Press pass Kayla Anderson here with Joshua Perry. We are here to give you everything you need to know when it comes to college football, and we give it to you real. We don't make anything sugar-coated. We just kind of are transparent in this podcast, and from week to week, everything changes. Yes, it does, and we acknowledge that, unlike some people who try to act like they know everything. I'm the first one to acknowledge I don't know everything. I give you the analysis as I see it, and my opinions can absolutely change. Um, One thing that I should say mm-hmm. is we're on episode 142 right now. Wow. Um, we're closing in on 150. Yeah. Can you believe show. that? It's wild. I'll, I'll say one thing, you know, and we talk about this all the time. If you are just joining this podcast, listening for the first time, or this is your second listen, Joshua joined me in the middle of this podcast journey when I started to do podcasting, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, it was with a, a different co-host at the time. It was a de- definitely a different platform that evolved. And Joshua Perry seriously pinch hit for me and then got in and was the starter and did it with, you know, no complaining. He stood up and was like, you know what? I'm going to help this girl out. And now episodes and episodes later, We've built a great podcast that I think is uh, unique compared to some others. And I'm really happy that you are my co-host, Joshua. Well, I'll say to that, um, it's been a, a hell of a ride. I mean, we we come out here and I've known you for some years now. Yeah. So the rapport was built already. We come out here and we have fun. Like this isn't too serious of a show. And I, I don't think we take ourselves too seriously either, which... I kind of hate when sports people do that because <laughs> yeah. sports are supposed to be fun to a certain extent. Like you got to get the content in, but yeah. I don't, I don't know why you can't joke and laugh and, and be self-deprecating at times and also pound your chest at times too. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, it's, it's been awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that I can do this with somebody who I've known for a while and, and somebody who I respect the hell out of in this industry. Well, likewise, my friend, and we've got, a great show because this, <laughs> this weekend, my gosh, Joshua, it was wild. And I think we saw maybe something like this coming, right? I mean, yes. this this um, season, there's something about it that you mm-hmm. just know it's going to be different. And boom, there we go. I mean, you've got the biggest upset that we've seen this this year and really in a probably while, this century yeah right so we're gonna get to that in a minute joshua but first let me go over the top 10 for the ap because clearly it has changed with alabama mm. losing to texas a&m here we go so number georgia uh number georgia number one georgia <laughs> <laughs> number georgia they there have their go. own number now um, <laughs> they're in the top spot they've got the 62 first place votes followed up by Brace yourself. We got some Big Ten teams in here. Mm-hmm. Iowa at number two. Cincinnati comes in at three. We got mm-hmm. Oklahoma at four. Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's followed by Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, 
Oregon, and Michigan State rounding yeah. out the top ten. Look yes. at the Big Ten representing. I know, and we're we're gonna dive into this pretty deep uh, here in, in a couple of segments. But this is the first time in the history of the AP poll, which dates back to the 1930s, Oof. that there have been five teams from the Big Ten conference that are ranked wow. in the top ten at the same time. I mean, this is historic. Um, this is as strong as we've seen the Big Ten Conference, obviously, yeah. by the way that this has happened. But I also think that this is a little bit due to the way that some of the schedule is set up. And what I mean by that is if you're Iowa, you played Indiana and Iowa State early and you got the benefit of beating those teams before people found out that they might not be as good as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're Penn State, you're in a similar situation. You play uh, Wisconsin early, and then you play Auburn early as well. And those were two teams that people thought very highly of. Yep. If you're Michigan, it's a little bit of a different formula. You've beaten teams the way that you're supposed to beat them. And then in conference play, you pull out victories in ways that you might have lost games before. For Michigan State, I think it's kind of similar to the first two teams we talked about where um, they had probably the big one was against Miami going down there in, in absolutely beating the mess out of them. Yep. Um, but they've looked good with the high flying offense and a running back. That's a, a Heisman trophy candidate at this point. Sure. And then the Ohio state one, I think is multiple things. I think it's the power of the brand uh, yes. because they do have a loss on their resume, but when you look at who they lost to, it's Oregon, who's a top 10 team. Um, they've beaten conference opponents in Minnesota in week one. Right. Um, and then you come out and you beat, Maryland, uh, this last uh, competition that they had, and then they went to Rutgers and they won. And it's been convincing. And so now we get the eye test in there. Um, I'm excited, though, because you when you be. look at the Big Ten, Iowa's got the easiest road from here on out. Their, their yeah. most difficult yep. game is probably Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And that is their last matchup of the regular season. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. None of those teams have played each other yet. Right. And if we're going to do a little bit of a look ahead, and I know I'm going on here, as I typically do, (laughs) but (laughs) if we do our look ahead, October 30th is the date in the Big Ten because it's Ohio State matching up with Penn State. That is Michigan matching up with Michigan State. There you go. That is what we need to look out for because that date right there is going to set the tone. Obviously, two teams will win, two teams will lose, and then they're still got to, they got to sort some things out from thereafter. But that'll give us a clearer picture of what this Big Ten is at the top of the East. This is going to be fun, and that's going to be a a great weekend just in terms of those games for college football. Uh, There is so many more eyes, I think, so many more people now talking about the Big Ten. We're going to get into that a little bit deeper in in just a moment, but I want to start with the – Big takedown this past weekend. <laughs> as and I got to give you a good backstory behind this one. So, as you guys know, I'm in in Nashville. Joshua is up in Columbus, but there are a ton of Alabama fans in Tennessee. Okay, yes. I'm talking in our station alone. I would say 45% of the newsroom has some sort of ties to Alabama or is a straight up Alabama fan. And that is no joke. It is crazy. And so, because what happens is a lot of time they're, they're brought up from Birmingham and they go to the bigger market, which is Nashville. Right. So this weekend was hilarious with some of these Bama fans. Just don't, they didn't know what to do. I was looking at some of their Instagram posts. They were they were crushed. I mean, they were leaving the room after the watch party in disgust, crying. You huh. know, I mean, it was insane. And yeah, poor them. I'm I'm supposed to yeah, feel bad. Poor them. Why are we <laughs> yeah. feeling bad? 
Then there was one gal who is our main anchor, and she is an Aggies fan, a diehard. Went there. She's Aggies through and through. And she sits next to the huge Bama fan who's a producer. And it, I was dying to see, and I'm going to ask what happened today when they sat down by each other at work today. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it had to have been just great. Because even the Texas A&M fan that Haley is, she even said, we're going to get beat down. Well, I mean, that's what, what history would say, right? Because they're playing, yeah. it's, it's Saban going up against one of his former assistants, assistants. which none of them have ever beaten him. Yep, there And you go now. they're a team with a couple of losses coming in with the backup quarterback. Like, yep. I don't understand why anybody would have thought before this game that Texas A&M even had a fighting chance to win it. Right. I think the one thing, the one thing that you could give them a little bit of just hope for in terms of just rolling the dice is, is honestly the environment. Yeah. Like that is the one itty bitty thing that you could maybe say, okay, it could just be a crazy night, right? It could just be an off night for Bama in that environment. We all know what it's like. Well, we don't, but we've seen it. Yes, we've seen um, what it's like. And it's nuts. Here's a question that I'll pose to you. Sure. So look, Bryce Young was coming in a million-dollar man. He had yeah. you know, endorsements already, hadn't even played a, a, a lick of football at the college level. We all were talking so much about this young fella. And granted, he's a good quarterback. Mm -hmm. But I don't know yet if we've seen like the Bryce Young that we expected to mm -hmm. see. Then you pair what you kind of saw there on Saturday with you know, the offensive line, which I just was not impressed with in terms of Alabama. And to me, like, there are things there that were exposed. Yes. And I'm not saying, like, Bryce Young was exposed, but there was just that, I guess, less play on that night from Bama and Texas A&M just was able to take advantage of just that small portion of it. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. And, and I'll, I'll kind of group this into the overarching college football, and then I'll bring it back to Bryce Young specifically. But you talked about he's a million-dollar man coming yeah. in. There's another one of those guys in Spencer Rattler Correct. over there at Oklahoma. And yeah. it's a similar situation where he hasn't played nearly to the expectation nope. that people anticipated. And Spencer Rattler specifically, I mean, he's a Heisman frontrunner. Like, he was supposed yeah. to be the guy. In college football this year and I mean he's about to be replaced who knows if he jumps in the transfer portal or not um so I think expectations preseason are always reconciled with when you get to the midway point of the year which we're at right now um for Bryce Young just looking through the stat sheet because I didn't get to see a ton of this game which uh -huh. is you know this is what happens and I always tell people um we're supposed to be the experts on the games yeah and uh you know I, I watch as much football as I can but sometimes I'm literally doing a TV show while games oh, yeah. are going on. So I have to go back and I have to rewatch the games to really give sure. the valid opinion. Um, but, you know, you go in like against Mercer, he played 29 snaps. So we'll not even count that, um, you know, against Florida, he was held to 240 passing yards. But when you look at a yards per play perspective, that was about six yards of play. Nobody had really kept them in that neighborhood. You get to A&M. And they hold him to 6.7 yards per play. And I think that is, that's indicative of the struggles that he had. Because you yeah. could look at the overall stat line, you could say, oh, you know, he threw for 370 yards, which is a big number. Yeah. But he was also, on a yards per play perspective, about a yard under what he typically does 
Um, let me go to the true passing stats here. So, you know, threw for three touchdowns in a pick, and he's thrown some interceptions in games, but uh, you would expect him to be more explosive, right? On the yards per attempt, yeah. this was by far the lowest outside of Florida, and by far, again, by a yard. So when he's going up against these defenses that can kind of eat a little bit and they're motivated and they're fired up, you can see where he's not necessarily the same guy as he is going against some of these other teams. Um, That'll be something to follow throughout the rest of the year because I think the Saban formula has morphed over the years from strong defense and a game manager quarterback to um, lots of weapons on the offense, quarterbacks who are highly recruited, highly ranked guys. I mean, obviously we've seen what Tua did. We watched what Jalen Hurts did, obviously Mac Jones, and, and he's translating that a little bit into the NFL, even as a rookie. Um, Bryce Young's supposed to be next in line. Is he going to be that guy who Saban can say is a, a first round pick quarterback? We don't know that quite yet. Well, and speaking of quarterbacks in general this year, I, I feel like we look back at the last few years and there's definitely been those game changing quarterbacks, right? That completely have elevated a program. And this year, I feel like there's some that are coming out of nowhere, and the ones that were supposed to be really the ones that were going to be game-changing have just been kind of okay. Yes. And, and even, you know, Matt Corral, I would think right now, is probably the one that has been the most solid if I yes. were to pick out a quarterback. but He's Josh, the best one right now. Don't you think? I mean, yeah, because you mentioned Spencer Rattler, and he's yeah, about bad. to get benched for Caleb Williams, who is a true freshman. Yep. So I and, just, and he didn't play ball in right? um, his senior year. He didn't have football. Right, exactly, which is crazy. Um, and then to go even further, you then look at, like, the offensive lines in college football. And yep. I just don't think they're all that. <laughs> so I, so this is a legit conversation that should be had. So let, let me, let me throw this right off the top since we're on the quarterbacks. Right. So you said Matt Corral. I agree with that. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati is doing yes. as good of a job as anybody in the country. And you yep. can say it's a lower level of competition, but he does what he's supposed to do against yep. that. And then being a Homer, uh, my guy CJ Stroud yeah. right now it looks like he's one of the best in the country and he's throwing to great weapons. Sure. Uh, but regardless, after taking that week off to really get his body right, he has been mm-hmm. on fire. Yes, um, he has. And then you can even look at a Peyton Thorne in the Big Ten at Michigan State. Um, he's yes. been great and he hasn't turned the football over. He's been efficient. He can run it a little bit. Your point about the offensive lines is 100% to me indicative of what a COVID year does. Absolutely. Because that is a developmental position, regardless of what school it's at. I don't care if it's Alabama, Ohio State, or if it's Purdue. I mean, they are developing guys because bodies aren't ready to come in Mm -hmm. to college football and play right away. They got to put weight on those guys. They got to work on endurance, speed, and then the technique side of it. And I talked to Christian Hackenberg, who's a quarterback at Penn State, who's becoming a very good friend of mine lately. And Part of this conversation about offensive line is the way that ball is played at a lot of high schools where there are a lot of schools in in high school. You can see that still run um, the triple option attack. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of schools that are in this RPO mentality and every play in a triple option. And really, if you're an RPO team Mm -hmm. is a run play. If the the pass option is if the run isn't there, but those the guys up front are run blocking. 
you don't see a lot of teams in high school that do drop back passing attacks. So none of these guys can pass pro. Yep. And now we're starting to see that where these guys are really a year behind in their development at the offensive line. And it's really putting the pressure on the quarterbacks and on the running backs to make fantastic plays. Yeah, that's really interesting because it and great explanation behind maybe the reasoning for that too, because I think it's quick for us always to say, oh, the quarterback is to blame or oh, the quarterback isn't living up to what its potential is. But you have to like know that if a line is not able to do mm-hmm. what it's supposed to do in terms of the pass protection, because like you said, Run protection is one thing. Pass protection yep. is a whole other thing. We're seeing totally that. Different. We're seeing that with the Titans this year. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, they got a big win. Right. No, they did. They certainly did against old herbs. So, um, yeah, it, it is something to look out for, and hopefully that we're going to see that that improve again now that the, the COVID um, hopefully is in the past in terms of the development. But it is something that is interesting to see because if you really know football, if you really watch it you definitely have seen that. Yes. And I, I agree with that 100%. It's, there are some positions right now that are struggling. And I I think even quarterbacks um, who who are inexperienced right now, and that's why there's not probably a legit front runner guy at quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, and we talked about two of the guys who are probably the best in the country. They played a lot of snaps in the past. DJ Uyunglele has not looked good. Spencer Rattler played a lot of snaps, but he also had his issues last year. Exactly. Um, You know, like these guys who are coming in, Bryce Young, as we mentioned, who maybe haven't had a ton of reps, those guys are hurting a little bit. Yeah. I'm glad we dived into that a little bit deeper because it does make sense with what you explained in terms of the offensive line too. So we'll continue to, to monitor that throughout the season. Let's get into, like I promised, mm. your conference, yes. the Big Ten, flexing, the big ten. flexing its big old muscles <laughs> after this past weekend. I, I want to start with Iowa beating Penn State because yeah. we had talked about this being a huge game, which mm-hmm. it, it lived up to the hype in terms of what we expected. And I, I really want to, because it could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. I really want to know from you, being a Big Ten guy and you're at the network, do you feel like Iowa, when it's all said and done, is really the better team? Um, I said this on the Big Ten network, and I totally believe it. I think Iowa is a college football playoff caliber team. Okay. And especially in this year where there's not a clear dominant yep. team, yep. they do things really well. I think their offense is efficient, and, and people don't love – their offense because, you know, they, they had 305 yards, quarterback only right. 195, it's 110 on the ground. It's not super impressive. They know how to move the football. Correct. They, they right. got the schemed up plays and they hit the open guy when it was time to do that, right? And so that's where I start this conversation. The defense has taken the ball away consistently. And people ask the question, what happens when the defense doesn't take the football away? I don't know that and you don't know that yep. because they haven't shown us that they won't take the football away. And I believe that's Part something of their that game. they can do. Right. But the question also is, if Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt in that game, Mm -hmm. what happens? Because Mm -hmm. you look at the first quarter and Penn State's able to go out. They have 14 points in the first quarter, get out to an early lead. Sean Clifford, he's 15 to 26, which is 60 percent, 146 yards before he gets hurt. He has no touchdowns through the air. He throws a couple of picks. Right. So you can say that in the second half, Iowa's probably going to turn him over again. Uh So is he going to be the guy that's the catalyst? I don't know. But one of the things that I said in the preview of this game, and it held true, 
Joshua over here with the big brain. This is the pounding the chest part of the show. <laughs> is I believe that Penn State was going to be able to hit shots down the field on mm-hmm. Iowa's secondary. Mm-hmm. If Iowa had one weakness mm-hmm. on its defense, it was the fact that they gave up plays in the the 20 yes. to 35 range through yep. the air, right? right? So going through this explosive passing plays, there were four of them for Penn State. All four of them came from Sean Clifford. First quarter, first quarter, first quarter, first quarter, right? Yep. So maybe he's able to get some chunks of yards down the line. My opinion and my belief still is that Iowa would have found a way to turn the ball over and end drives yeah. or to bow up and get the big play on defense yeah. when they needed it. And that's what this team has been. That's what I believe that they are. And that's, I, I like the confidence of that because I think that was the one question. And that's why I posed this question to you because I think people are quick to say, okay, but what does really Iowa bring offensively? We don't really know if we like what they're doing, you know, offensively. And it's like, it's, but their, their team is built on so much more than that. Right. And they've proven that they can do that and, and do that the way that you're explaining is utilizing their defensive power as well. And then the other thing too, is they're really good on special teams Mm -hmm. and um, their punter was absolutely amazing in that game. And they believe that punting is winning. Um, and, and what that really means is the field position battle where, you know, if I pull up the the drive start chart here for Penn state in the second half, you know, they're, they're starting on their own four, they're starting on their own six, they're starting on their own 11, you know, like, (laughs) I don't care who's quarterbacking that ain't good. No, I mean, that's not, that's not easy. No, it's not, not at all. Uh, why don't we go ahead and mark down the what, – what year is that punter? I don't know. Okay, the Titans are going to need a new punter. I think Brett Kern's retiring. So All right, let me, get you, all the, let me get you all the drive starts here. Okay, yeah, because that so, – this, this is the, the wild ones, right? So um, they started at their own two. Ooh. They started at their own nine, their Ooh. own eight, their own four, their own four, their own six, That's and their own 11. crazy. Yeah, half of their drives – started inside of their 10. Yeah, that's I mean like you said if if you if you have a way to utilize special teams that way and and benefit from it, like there you go, right? That's it. <laughs> I mean that's Penn State just really having to dig out of a hole from the from the start of a drive. Yeah, they had one two three drives as well where they went backwards. They they yeah, that's, 10 yards. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so that explains you know, maybe a reason why people should possibly believe a little more in Iowa. We'll see what happens. Uh, they have a clear path, like it looks like, though, to the Big Ten championship game. Clear. You know, so I don't think we should expect any crazy uh, upsets with that. Well, let me let me throw out the one wild stat, though. Okay. Uh, they got Purdue coming up, and Kirk Ferentz is one and four against Jeff Brom. Ooh. So, what is it that about like teams having kryptonite teams? Don't like know. I don't get that. No idea. I don't get that. I, it's just the weirdest thing. Yeah, and every time like you're reminded of how bad you are against a certain team too, I, I think it plays into it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, let's let's talk about your alma mater, Ohio State, because I will say this, and I think I was listening to it might have been the Dan Patrick show this morning. But they were talking about the Big Ten, and, and clearly, because Dan grew up in Ohio, he knows about the Big Ten. And yeah. so he was mentioning how, you know, Ohio State has clearly um, gotten better, right? I mean, they 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 weren't awful to start the season, but there were some question marks that we talked about on defense. I, I just think 
not everything was clicking. It mm-hmm. now seems like Ryan Day has this team headed in the right direction. They're they're gaining steam. I mean, yes. what would you say has been the biggest difference in this team? Maybe turning things not around, but in a positive direction. So biggest thing I think is the way that the offense is playing right now. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this against um, Akron, which obviously not great competition Then Rutgers and Maryland, which are two big 10 teams, but they're kind of sitting there in the bottom of the East. Um, But they've, they've done really well in this last game. They had almost 600 yards of offense. CJ Stroud went out there 406 yards, 73% completion, which I think is a really big number in five touchdowns. And then you look at the run game. They didn't necessarily run the ball explosively, but Travion Henderson had 102 yards and only 16 carries. That guy is really good. And he's a freshman, right? And so mm-hmm. you look at some of the numbers there offensively with the wide receivers, Chris Olave had a big game, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, and then a guy in Mecca Buka who was good in the past game, but he was also really good in special teams game. I think that really helps there. Now, I think the defense has improved a lot. And what I mean by that is they've scored on defense in four straight games, which is a school record at this point. Wow. So that's big. Um, And they're playing faster. They're playing with more aggression. You can see that they understand defense a little bit better. Yep. Here is what scares me is they gave up 12 passes that went for over 15 yards. Okay. 17, 17, 29, 30, 22, 36, 26, 42, 15, 26, 30, and 18. You can't let the football go over your head. And I think Maryland is a team with a really good quarterback and some weapons. Um, I don't know if other Big Ten teams can necessarily challenge. Like, I don't think Michigan has the quarterback who can make some of those throws, nor do I think that they're great on the edges at receiver, but they're a good offense. I look at Michigan State, scares the hell out of me as an Ohio State supporter because they got Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed on the edges and a really good running back. So you can't just play you know, uh, a stacked box and then try to say you can throw it or you can't play coverage and try to say run the ball because they can do both. Um, so that would be the thing is you can't give up 300 and y- uh, 308 yards over your head on explosive passes. You have to make people earn the plays. That's the big thing for me. So you think the biggest threat on the schedule moving forward, you said you, d- you do believe it's Michigan State? Yeah, as long as Sean Clifford is out, for Penn State, Michigan State is the – that's the one, in my opinion. Okay. Um, Penn State is really good when Sean Clifford's playing. I think he is a very good quarterback. I think they got two guys on the edges in Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson who are game-changing wide receivers and a couple tight ends who can play. Michigan yeah. State, high-flying offense. High-flying offense. Yeah. They're really good. Well, and here's a reason why I think people are – if they're wondering, whoa, how did the – Big 10 come on this strong this season. First of all, I think that, again, if you monitor college football in all the conferences, you shouldn't be crazy shocked because the Big 10 has always been in the past, you know, several years, a really strong conference. It's just that, you know, the SEC has, has been so dominant with some of its programs in the past few years in terms of, you know, Alabama really dominating Georgia, kind of being up there, LSU recently winning the championship, that they get a lot of the attention. Right. And, um, but if you see the Big Ten and you see how the Big Ten teams are put together, you see some of the really good coaching in the Big Ten. Yes. To, to me, it's not a crazy surprise, but this is what is a surprise this year in particular that maybe puts them a little bit above the SEC is the fact that teams like Michigan State 
Yes. I won't say Iowa because I think Iowa has had a good team, but maybe yep. Iowa being this good. And yes. then Michigan, yep. a team that we pretty much thought had thrown in the towel in terms dead of in just, the water. Yeah, was dead in the water. And now look at what is happening there. And I thought it was interesting after their win over Nebraska this past weekend that their quarterback in the postgame interview said that I think it was Molly McGrath who was on the, mm-hmm. the game, told her that the biggest difference, one of the biggest differences with this team, why this team has been able to turn it around, is because John Harbaugh has made it clear that he believes more than ever uh, in this team. He believes more than ever. He's putting in the, the effort than I guess that he's not put in in the past in making this team believe like it can be that top ranked team. It can be a top five team, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I guess Jim Harbaugh, for some reason, hasn't had this extra oomph in the past. And this is the quarterback saying this, that I don't want to yes. throw anyone under the bus, but I'm saying this is different. Yeah. No, and, and I think he's right. Like, you can see the confidence. And Jim is different. Like, just watching his press availability, um, you know, he's looser. He's having more fun. Like, I, I think he really enjoys his team. And I think Michigan is built really well. I like their offense. They've got a quarterback who is, and people say this is an insult. I don't think it's an insult. He's a game manager. I'd rather have a game manager than a guy who doesn't manage the game. I agree. I think he does a really good job. Two-headed rushing attack. That's great. Like I said, on the edges, I'm not exactly convinced. They got a couple of tight ends, though, that are hard to cover. Yeah. Really hard to cover. And they got a really good offensive line. I think their defense is athletic and fast as hell. Now, the one thing I will say about Michigan, this was the case against Rutgers, in the case against Nebraska, is the second half has not been good to them, and, and specifically defensively. Yeah, they right. gave up all of their points in and the second right. half uh, against Nebraska, and it was a similar thing when they played Rutgers, too. Really yeah. let them come back in that game. So they got to close out games if they want to be the top dog in the Big Ten, but they're in position. Before we get off of this, yep. I'd also like to mention, mm-hmm. Iowa, Honorable has mention. Re- Iowa has a returning quarterback. Yep. Penn State has a returning quarterback. Michigan has a returning quarterback. Michigan State, returning quarterback. I, I think that is a big difference in the year that we're in right now is having an experienced guy running the offense. Yeah, it's a great point. We've talked, we talk about how important the quarterback is now in the college. I mean, it's always important, but it's just, it's at another level now. And so when you mention that, that's a good point. Um, a little more experience maybe in the Big Ten with their QBs compared to some of maybe the SEC programs um, or, you know, I don't know, diving deep around the league. I don't have every quarterback memorized, but um, clearly in the Pac-12, it's been one of those things where, again, you've seen the conference beat up completely on each other. And mm-hmm. the quarterback play is, isn't tremendous there either. I will give, an, speaking of honorable mention, I will give my Washington State Cougars a big pat on the back because they had a huge win this past weekend against Oregon State which was uh, actually record-wise the best team in the Pac-12 right now. And Washington State beat them. Yeah, they've got a young quarterback in Jaden Delora. He's a second-year quarterback um, that's really impressive, very athletic, very fun to watch. Uh, but you can still see he's learning, right? He's he makes he's making a lot of mistakes still, but he's he's a guy that you can see kind of developing there. But again, the Pac-12 is is a conference that I think we, we don't tend to talk about as much 
And they if we ain't do, that it's good. not great. Yeah. And that's the reason why, because again, they're, they're beating up on each other, but nobody has shown that they can be a power team there either. And that's the reason why they just aren't relevant. So that's it. I mean, when it comes down to it, Oregon can't lose to a Stanford. I'm sorry. It just can't, no, you can't, can't happen. Do that. Yeah. So this has been a fun episode of Press Pass, and we always appreciate the listeners. Where can they go to follow you if they want extra material outside of the, the podcast? They just want to learn all about Joshua Perry because he does it all. Yeah, you can follow me at RIP underscore JEP, the Twitterverse was hopping a little bit earlier oh, because yeah. I, I ranked some Big Ten stadiums uh, oh, without oh, having oh. played in Iowa or in Lincoln. Um, and those are two of the obvious great environments in the Big Ten. So some people had some things to say about it. But Uh-oh. if you want to jump in on that conversation, holler at my Twitter at RIP underscore JEP. You can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV. We're going to hopefully have another great weekend of college football. I just think every weekend's going to be fun. In some capacity, there's going to be some crazy game that we're talking about the week after. And that's what's making this year so much more fun. I mean, last year with the COVID year, we, we got through it, Joshua. But it just this year, it's already leaps and bounds better. So we, Yeah, it we, wasn't the same last year. It wasn't. We're appreciative of that. We're appreciative of you. You guys have a great week. And enjoy college football this weekend. Take care.